This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. You're listening to Bookmarked, the Young Adult Book Podcast brought to you by Bookstacks.com. This is episode 29, and episode 29 is all about the crimes of Grindelwald. Most of us liked it, one of us didn't. We'll get into that in a few minutes, so stay with us. So this movie, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to say and <laughs> not enough time. Uh, so we're going to just dive right into it. But before we do that, let's introduce everybody who's here. My name is Saul and we also have Addie. Hi, guys. Brittany. Hi. And Mary. Hi. And yeah, uh, we're not going to do any other introductions or anything we're just go straight into the discussion about this movie because like i said there's so much to say um and so obviously i guess before going forward they're going to be spoilers so like if you haven't seen the movie don't be here don't listen to this go watch the movie and then come back um and i this is like one of those movies it's one of those things where you have to see it you know before you hear people talk about it otherwise First but, watch it and then come in here and then see what we think. Yeah, yeah, just do that. Just do that. So let's start with general impressions. Um, did you guys like the movie? What what are your thoughts? I did. Okay. I I will admit I will I liked it. There were certain things that, that just had me going like that I did honestly just honestly God did not like at all. I was like, what is happening? But overall I did like the movie. Oh, good. I thought I was going to be the only one because I really liked it, too. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, great. Right. Well, that's kind of what I expected, actually. I, I'm pretty sure I figured you guys would like it and then I'd be the one who hated it. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that that looks like that's what it is. <laughs> I did not like the movie. I feel like you might need like I feel like if, if my Michael were doing the podcast, he'd kind of back you up. He'd be like the middle ground for everybody. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this movie has been polarizing. Okay, first off, it hasn't been doing well critically, like with critics. It's the lowest rated Harry Potter movie ever. Um, well, I think last I checked it was at 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, Ooh. which is a rotten grade. And I've just seen a lot of different things from from fans. I've seen some fans who loved it, and then I've seen some fans who didn't. But like I've been in, I've been spending a lot of time the last couple of days on Reddit and on Twitter, and in like Harry Potter Facebook groups. And I feel like the majority of fans are happy with it. That's my observation. When I saw the movie, I knew 
there were going to be like it was I feel like some things were going to be divisive among the fandom but also like like you you said that the, like it's like the worst Harry Potter franchise movie but the fact is it's not a Harry Potter movie it's a Fantastic Beasts franchise it's like yeah. it's separate and I feel like that's um that's kind of like a bit of like a like a middle ground where um critics blur the line and they hmm. like they know it's not the same franchise but they're like oh it's the same thing cuz JK Rowling did it and like they, I, that's what I feel. Yeah. One of the things I feel like should be like obvious though, is like in some of the discussions I've read, like people have been really rude to each other. And I'm just kind of like, why? What? Like, what happened? This this isn't like the fandom, you know? Like Harry Potter fandom's always been very welcoming and stuff. And so like just because somebody liked the movie doesn't mean they're stupid, or just because somebody disliked it doesn't yeah. mean they're stupid or not a Harry Potter mm-hmm. fan, you know. I, just... I read. Uh, so, sorry, to interrupt. I read somewhere. I was reading the comments as well, and somebody said that, that anybody who accepted the, the movies and liked this, these movies and didn't question anything were sellouts. Uh, okay. No. I was like, excuse you. Wow. Yeah, I'm no. just like shocked too because this is the fandom. I my my experience has always been like, let's have a good time. Let's like let's share and and embrace our our mutual love for for this world and these characters. And yeah, I was just shocked by how many people have kind of like turned on each other. And so like, just stop. Like, it's not cool. I think once it started getting out of like Harry Potter's world and more into like an expanding universe and fantastic beasts, it kind of just polarized everybody. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, I think Chris Child was very polarizing for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that was like the trigger moment where it went le- like it created a divide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not get on that. You want to pick Chris Child over Fantastic Beasts? Let's talk about sellouts then. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I I would choose Chris Child over this movie. Oh my god! Okay. Oh, I think you need to leave. <laughs> I don't know, so right. maybe. If you- Maybe if you read the, the Crimes of Grindelwald screenplay, you might like it better. And I want to. I want to buy it and read it. Um, but I don't know if it'll make me like the movie better. I'm hoping it just makes me understand the movie better. My, my, you know, like though we were talking about Cursed Child, um, it's meant to be seen and not read. Yeah. And that's, and I then, think... Sorry, keep going. I was going to say, and maybe, maybe like it'll have like the reverse effect with you of uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing, like, I wouldn't, because I genuinely feel that way. I, I actually prefer Cursed Child over Crimes of Grindelwald. Not necessarily the first Fantastic Beast movie, but, like, this this one, I prefer it over that. But I think part of that might be because I was able to see it live as opposed to mm-hmm. just reading the script book. I mean, and there are probably people who have seen it live who would disagree with me. But for me, seeing it live really changed everything. Um changed my thoughts on on cursed child but anyway i don't want to like be a downer the whole time and like rain on everyone's <laughs> parade uh yesterday i felt because i saw it thursday and then yesterday was friday and yesterday i was like legit depressed or something um <laughs> I, I, they were yeah so i i'm trying not to be that way and a part of this movie one thing in particular actually made me really angry and so i left the theater kind of uh, pretty angry 
we can get to that later, but I, I've calmed down. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm afraid of what you're going to say now. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to say. I, I call, I've, I'm, I'm a lot more calm. I've, I've tried to like collect my thoughts and really just like, yeah, I, I had a very strong reaction to this. And so um, that probably sounds so ridiculous to people. But anyway. We're nerds. This is how we react. Yeah, yeah. Book nerds understand when it comes to film and books. We understand the strong emotional pull to this. That's good. And I'm still, of course, a massive Harry Potter fan. I still love J.K. Rowling. Like Harry Potter is my my thing. Like in high school and in college and in other places, like people have known me for liking Harry Potter. Like I'm the Harry Potter guy. So. I've gotten people randomly calling me before asking like, Hey, how did that elder wand thing work? Cause, cause they know like they can come and talk to me about this stuff. So obviously I'm still a huge fan. So anyway, the way we decided to do this conversation was we're going to go by like character, all the different characters and kind of talk about them and our thoughts and kind of what they're doing in this movie. Um, and that's kind of basically the structure of this. And we'll we'll talk about great moments and twists and stuff. And a lot of the twists and everything are tied to the characters. So I think they'll just come up naturally in the discussion. So let's start with our protagonist, Newt Scamander. What did you guys think of Newt in this movie? I liked him. I I didn't find him unenjoyable, like <laughs> if that's a word. I I just really love his character overall. So like I really had no problems. Yeah, same. I really like Newt. And I think a part of that is also because I love Eddie Redmayne as well. And I loved him in the first Fantastic Beasts and just how he just, like, just goes all out with his character. And so I really liked him still. Yeah, Newt's still one of my favorites. Like, I was really excited to see him. Like, um, I mean, we knew, like, when from the first opening scene that he was kind of in trouble, but he's just, like, playing around with Pickett. Like, he knows he's a trouble he doesn't care. He's just playing with Pickett. Yeah, I liked Newt. I didn't hate him. I just, one of my big issues with this movie was I felt like there was no character development or like they tried to do character development, but it just wasn't very fleshed out. And Newt is one of those cases where I felt like that was where you could see that. Like, I think his whole, I think I like the little comments you're adding into the doc. <laughs> We've got a Google doc that outlines the show and everybody's just adding to it. And I love it. It's great. <laughs> um, anyway, my just my thought with Newt was I feel like his arc was supposed to be like, I'm not taking sides, you know, like he starts off that way mm-hmm. and he wants to be Switzerland or whatever. And then like at the end, he's like, oh, I am going to take sides. But I felt like that wasn't really I felt like there was no natural progression to that. I feel like most of the time he's just looking for for uh, Tina the whole time and he's not really that involved with the Grindelwald stuff and then at the very end he's kind of forced to be and you have the big old thing that happens at the end with Lita and all that and then he's like oh actually I'm gonna choose a side I don't know it just felt so it felt very quick a very quick kind of switch if that makes sense rather than like an actual progression but I feel like it kind of it kind of did make I mean for me it made a little bit of sense because we see like in the first movie and in parts of the second one how Newt is a bit awkward with other people He's not very comfortable with, um, you know, like physical contact with other people. It's just the way he is. And I think, I feel like what happened, like, you know, in the beginning, you know, he's a younger brother, his older brother's trying to get him out of trouble. You know, 
he can be like, he's like, no, it's overbearing. Like, it's like my worst nightmare. Maybe his brother doesn't know that that's his worst fear, you know, working in an office. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I feel like we, we saw that little brotherly moment that, you know, maybe his brother does care, does care for him in the beginning when he's like, they're watching you and he gives him that hug. And then at the end, I feel like his, his like, um, Newt seeing his brother go through a loss that big. I feel like it kind of humanizes Newt a bit for those who didn't see him, just saw him like as an awkward person. Yeah, I agree. I think with, I think Fantastic Beasts, the first one was just an introduction to like this part of the Wizarding World. And I think even in the beginning of the second one, we find out that Newt doesn't really process um, like feelings the way other people do. I feel like for him, he thinks everything should just be black and white. Or if he doesn't feel there needs to be sides, then there shouldn't be sides. And so I think with this one, we just needed to explore a lot of the other characters because there's supposed to be three more movies, right? Yeah. So we have to like find out who these characters are, how they process things, what their relationships are with each other. And Newt is sort of like the center to like almost all those characters because you have his brother who works for the ministry and so then, of course, those characters are, have that connection. And then you have Tina and Queenie and um, Jacob from New York. And so they pull him or he pulls them in. And so, you know, we don't really need the second movie to be all about how he processes things. Because, first of all, we have three more movies to get to whoever Newt really is. But I think J.K. just created him to be you know what he's very simple things should be this simple and if they're not for everybody else then that's their problem that's not Newt's problem I can see that I think yeah one of the things I'm curious though is do we know for sure that Newt is going to be in all five movies I would assume so (laughs) it seems like oh sorry go ahead Eddie uh, when if it's all about Grindelwald and how it ends in his demise, you know, the whole thing, the whole series. We know Dumbledore said that, you know, Newt's the only one who can do it. Not because of uh, the blood pact. And we know that Dumbledore is not going to, you know, destroy that really quickly. Dumbledore does whatever the hell he wants without telling anybody. I would really, you know, I would assume that we will have Eddie at least, in, or in like, I mean, Newt until like the fourth movie. Because we know because it's canon that Dumbledore is the one that defeats Grindelwald. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you think even as Credence is Grindelwald's like right hand man, like he's gonna be the way to be go around that blood pact. So is Newt gonna be Dumbledore's way around that blood pact until right. the very end? So you have like this parallel of um, Grindelwald and Dumbledore, and then you have like their apprentices, if you will where they each bring like their own armies after that. But it's still those four main characters that have to carry this on. That's the only way you have these other connections outside of that. Oh, wait. So like Credence would be Grindelwald's apprentice is what you're saying? Yeah. That's an interesting concept. I didn't catch on to that. If that's what they're trying to do, that could be, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. Even like in the first one, um, like they always were communicating it. It was all about, freeing credence from the you know muggle world or the nomad world in new york 
And now here is still a way Credence is trying to figure out who he is. And Grindelwald's the one that's like, I have to go get Credence. He's going to come to me. Like, I need him without being so desperate. But we all know that's what his main goal was, was to get Credence to come to him. Yeah. The only reason I I brought that up was because it seems like before the first movie came out, David Heyman had made some sort of comment. I don't remember exactly. You should go back and look. But had made some sort of comment that Newt might not be the focus throughout the entire series. Um, Does anyone remember that? Or am I making this up? No, I feel like I think it was mentioned recently. And I don't know if it was um, David. One of the Davids mentioned. I I can't remember which one it was. (laughs) One of the Davids. Um, mentioned it in an interview. I think it's on Facebook. And they and I feel like it. Event, I mean, I feel like we're gonna see Jude Law as Dumbledore in the next three movies. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I could, I could be wrong, but I feel that I, I think I saw somewhere that that you know, somewhere saying that in the end the story is about Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean. Eddie Redmayne or knew the character isn't in it because he wasn't even like the biggest focal point in this movie. Yeah. So even if he's not the focus, I don't think that means that he's not gonna be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have to say, cause I mean, I didn't, there were some things I liked in this movie. Um, and I feel like some of the best parts in this movie came from Newt himself. Yeah. Like particularly the salamander eyes. <laughs> like yeah. that was- Oh my God. <laughs> That was the best. That's the best thing ever. Oh She's like, I'm not supposed to say. And Tina knew exactly what. Yes. That was one of the best moments in oh, all no. of not in all of J.K. Rowling's stuff. That was a fantastic moment. He's like, I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> and what was immediately going through my mind? I don't know if you've seen that meme on Twitter where it's like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, yes. and like yes. the line. Like that's exactly what was going through my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is that meme living out on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and what was up was with like that a- Bunty character? Was that her name, Bunty? And she wanted him to yes. take off his shirt. Yeah. The whole the whole theater <laughs> just died. Oh yeah. That's so random. I could tell from the first second she came on screen that she had a crush, and that just kind of like yes. I don't think we've seen like that level of of crushing of- since Twilight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when Jacob would just for no reason take off his shirt, like, shirt. "Oh, Bella, you're hurt. Let me take off my shirt." You know. I think that's what Bunty <laughs> wanted. I think that's what Bunty wanted for me. Right. But uh, we talked a little bit about Tina. What did you guys think about her? Because in this movie, her whole role is she is now in Paris looking for credence. Well, I guess everybody is in Paris looking for credence. (laughs) But that's her thing. And I think for me with Tina, I kind of feel the same way I felt about her in the first movie. Like, I really want to like her, but there's like not... She's not that interesting. I don't know. Why are you here? I don't know. like they're not giving Tina a chance like I love it when she's like she goes on like her full on like dialogues and she has her like when she had her scene with uh with Yusuf Kama but then like I feel like they make her appearances on screen very choppy mm-hmm. and I'm like why like they're not very smooth so it comes off as awkward and I feel like it's, it's she's not being her character's not being portrayed as well as it could be 
That's just my feeling on that. Because I, I like her character, but it's just like, and but the way her scenes are like set up, it just feels um, like disconnected. Yeah. But I think that also goes towards like why she shuts. Oh, okay. No. Nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> why she is such a good fit for Newt. Because she's awkward in her own way. She's not exactly like Newt. Yeah. You don't want you don't want two characters exactly alike. But because she gets the salamander eyes, things yeah. like that, because she gets that, because she's also an outcast in the first movie for the New York ministry. You know, like she has, she can understand Newt and why he doesn't fit in places because she doesn't either. And so I think that's kind of on purpose, making her scenes choppy, making her character a little bit weird and awkward because it kind of just speaks volumes to how much they should be together, but neither one of them really know how they should be together. Well, I kind of, I think that's a good point too. Cause I, one moment that really stuck out to me was when they're doing that, um, it's the calamari scene, I think. And they're like, gonna, <laughs> they're taking that nasty little thing out of, um, yeah. Yusuf's eye and she's helping him. Like she just, they kind of seem to have like a good chemistry right there. And I'm like, yeah. I can totally picture her like traveling the world with him and like, like getting into his work and, you know, embracing it just as much as he is and really just being by his side and like helping him out you know I kind of I got like a glimpse of that and what I like about their relationship is like it's not like you know that they like each other but it's not forced and like Mm -hmm. in your face and it's not like half the time you forget that you know they're kind of like each other's romantic interests and you see them like working together you're like oh my god like you don't you're you're not like pine I mean we're rooting for them but it's not kind of like being shoved down your throat at that, you know, they are love yeah. interest, them, 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 them. And like, I like how they also didn't make it like a love triangle with Lita. Yes, yeah. I, I was gonna bring that up because I read somewhere like months ago about like a love triangle with Lita. I was just like, seriously, we need another love triangle. And then when the movie come, came out, I was just like, yes, no love triangle. Finally, <laughs> we have no love triangle. That's a first in Y history. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a nice break from what we're we're used to. <laughs> um, what about Dumbledore? What did you guys think about seeing Dumbledore in this movie? Obviously, that was highly anticipated. I loved it. I loved Jude Law as, Dumb- as young Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I have to say that's probably my favorite part of this whole thing was seeing that, and not just. Him, I, well, yeah, I think he does a great job as Dumbledore. Um, he kind of catches the slyness and sort of coolness of Dumbledore, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I saw on Twitter was somebody said something like, what was it? They're like, why does Dumbledore dress so well, like, in the 1920s? And then he has an entire <laughs> sense of fashion, like, later in life. <laughs> like... And I'm like, that is true. What happens? Like, he's very classy. He's super classy here. Right? He's all dapper and stuff. But I mean, like, I love that, you know, like, you know, yeah, we know him. I like that we see a bit of a, I mean, it's the same Dumbledore we know from the Harry Potter world, from the films. But at the same time, it's a different Dumbledore than, like, you know, we see him. I feel like we saw him be a little bit more reckless 
a bit more um like human like when he had those uh, like emotional moments with um when he was talking to Travers that how he he can't fight um Grindelwald and then when that moment he had with Lita in the classroom as well mm-hmm. so we saw a vulnerability that I feel we we've never seen in the Harry Potter films in Dumbledore yeah I love that he is a defense against the dark arts teacher. And yeah. you look at the history of all the defense against the dark arts teachers, like they're all weird in their own way. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like it was so fitting. I'm like, oh my God, of course he would be in the defense against the dark arts because like he's has like that weird sense to him, you know? I just thought it was great. But so side note somewhat um for the pre-screening they did like the questions with the actors afterwards and somebody asked if Jude Law did like the glove scenes and he was like yeah those were all me so he actually did like the motions love they were all his motions and like those are my favorite he just tucks the card in real slightly and older (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I was great I was like this is fantastic and you know like someone remind me do wizards not age like regular humans yeah they don't trying to do the math and I'm like this dude is so old (laughs) yeah I don't remember the exact age but in Harry Potter he's well over 100 years old Oh. <laughs> I thought I read somewhere it was 100 he died at 115 years old but never mind then <laughs> yeah, in my mind it felt like it was somewhere in like 100 between 110 and 120 is like how old he lives to be but we'll do the math later we'll figure it out yeah I was just like it was something that drove me nuts because I'm like okay I thought wizards aged differently but now I'm really confused <laughs> yeah, was the one that stuck out to me but <laughs> But yeah, Dumbledore for me was one of the highlights of this movie. And even just going back to Hogwarts in that moment and seeing the castle mm-hmm. again and the music and everything, it was that was neat. So just, was just yeah. nice little moment there. Um, I kind of we want to talk about Grindelwald next um, and just kind of transition into that. We got a listener email in response to our last Crimes Grindelwald episode we did where we like looked at the trailer and made predictions. And so I just kind of wanted to read their prediction and then kind of see your take on it now that we've seen the movie, right? Why um, am I nervous? <laughs> <laughs> no, this comes, this comes from listener John. He says that Dumbledore can't go after Grindelwald himself because he still has feelings for him. He knows Newt is a powerful wizard, but more so he knows Newt could be, would be merciful with Grindelwald. I don't think he could stand the thought of other wizards trying to kill him. I think this may eventually backfire on Newt, though, when dealing with Grindelwald and Dumbledore will have to step in at that point. So basically, you know, what he's saying is Dumbledore can't go because he's in love with Grindelwald, which was actually my theory going into the movie. It's changed a bit since. Um, (laughs) But what I find interesting is, okay, this line here, um, what John says, he says, I don't think... Dumbledore could stand the thought of other wizards trying to kill Grindelwald. Do you guys think that's true? And for me, the really big thing here is that blood pact thing that we learn about. We've never seen this before in Harry Potter. Um, and so it almost makes it seem like it's not purely just like I'm in love with him and I don't want to like confront him or him to yeah. die. It's like, I can't actually go and fight him. 
I think for me, like the big question I have is because there's that moment and Newt's like, do you think you can destroy it? You know, the, this little yeah. blood pack vial thing. And I think Dumbledore says like, I can try or whatever. Uh, and my big question is once it's destroyed, do you think Dumbledore is actually going to try to stop Grindelwald? Like, like, is this really the only thing that's holding him back? Or does Dumbledore actually want to see Grindelwald like live? You know, does he actually, does he actually want mercy for him? I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, I feel like Dumbledore might want wants to defeat Grindelwald in in like a merciful manner, or like defeat him without having to kill him, mm-hmm. maybe like strip his magical powers if that's possible in the Wizarding world. I mean, I feel like that's what I feel like Dumbledore doesn't want him dead. Just wants to make him like own up to whatever it is that he that he's done. I feel like that's just Dumbledore's character is that from what we've seen in the Harry Potter verse is that he is a very caring person and he always wants to like save people. So you look at Snape and Snape coming and asks to forgive him and or just telling him to kill him. And Dumbledore's like, no, I think there's redemption for everybody. There's mercy for everybody. And so while other wizards are probably thinking, no, we'll just kill him. That's not Dumbledore's style, whether they have a pact or not. He just wants somebody to, I guess, like bring him back. And so he'd be like somebody nowadays who doesn't believe in the death penalty because they think everyone should be like, or have a second chance or a third chance or whatever. And so I just think he, I don't know, you know how he put Harry Potter or in Snape's words in the movie as a pig to be like grew a pig to be slaughtered yeah you know like he is going to say that he can try to destroy the blood bond but i don't really think he wants to because i don't think if it comes down to it i don't think he wants to be the one that has to possibly kill grindelwald speaking of dumbledore and grindelwald another interesting thing i saw this and i think MuggleNet has like a fandom chat group it's full of spoilers and stuff so somebody posted this passage from Deathly Hallows and it's very, after this movie, I'm questioning everything. Okay. So um, <laughs> this is, this actually comes from an interview with Rita Skeeter, you know, in Deathly Hallows, yeah. they have like bits and she's promoting her book about Dumbledore. She says, Oh, now I'm glad you mentioned Grindelwald says Skeeter with a tantalizing smile. I'm afraid those who go dewy eyed over Dumbledore's spectacular victory must brace themselves for a bombshell or perhaps a dung bomb. Very dirty business indeed. All I'll say is don't be so sure that there really was a spectacular duel of legend. After they've read my book, people may be forced to conclude that Grindelwald simply conjured a white handkerchief from the end of his wand and came quietly. And now I'm wondering, like, is there actually a duel at the end of all of this? Like, did Dumbledore actually fight Grindelwald? And the reason, obviously, I'm questioning everything is because the big revelation at the end of the movie, which we'll get to. But um... <laughs> Okay, so kudos to that person for catching that, because I never would have remembered that. Because yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, as much as you, like, you know, when you go into Deathly Hallows, you're like, oh, it's Rita Skeeter. Like, pff. she's yeah, actually, right. like, right about everything <laughs> in her expose on Dumbledore. So now I'm just like, hmm. Yes, I feel like maybe like the blood pact will be kind of like Dumbledore's like final option, like the final choice, like an ultimatum. Like, 
That'll be like the last resort for Dumbledore. Yeah, I'm just like, is the blood pact even going to be destroyed, like at all? You know, like maybe it isn't, and then they—I don't know. It's just curious. Everything is up in yeah. the air at mm-hmm. this point. They like I'm must sure have told. They must have like figured out a way, like if one of them had to like destroy it, how to destroy it, because th- there has to be some loophole as to why, like there must be a reason to destroy it. So I think Dumbledore knows how to destroy it. He just doesn't want to defeat Grindelwald. And I just think he's kind of holding back a little bit because he may know how to destroy it. He just doesn't really want to. I don't know that that's my thoughts. (laughs) I really want to know after all the, uh, lead up to this movie what you thought of Johnny Depp as Grindelwald because we see him more in this role yeah you still don't like him (laughs) I I, I honestly don't I mean I honestly would have preferred Colin Farrell I thought he did a really good job in the first film I can say I was genuinely disappointed when it turned like his character (laughs) turned out to be like Polyjuice was like it it wasn't actually like he wasn't the actor for Grindelwald, those Johnny Depp. I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I just feel like John, like nobody else could play him like Johnny Depp could. I like just really love Johnny Depp, and um, and I honestly can't imagine anyone as him. I think it was like pretty perfect casting for me. Same for me. I. I've always loved Johnny Depp as an actor because he plays those weird roles. He plays those crazy weird roles and he's so good at it. And I love it. And I think that when you have a wizard who has basically gone off the deep end, you need somebody who's a little bit more eccentric. And I just think that Johnny Depp does that so well. There's a reason he's made a living over 15 years playing the same (laughs) types of characters because he's so good at it and I don't think many actors can or that they're willing to or I don't know what the case is but he's just like the go-to for those weird characters and I think I don't know I just really think Johnny Depp does a great job at that (laughs) I think that's probably true but my only thing is like he felt kind of like all those other weird characters he's played you know exactly Mm -hmm. I mean, when when talking with I, I feel I was thinking about it right now. You're talking about how how he's made his career playing all these weird act uh, these weird characters. It just got me thinking. Grindelwald, like the accent he had, he uses for Grindelwald, basically sounds what Captain Jack Sparrow would sound like sober. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. Tr- I have to go back and check for that next I time. I know. Now we want to go and watch Pirates of the Caribbean and Crimes of Grindelwald. That'd be great. Yeah. It's a great combo. <laughs> like, I thought that like, was just And like talking more slowly. But that's like, I mean, other than that, it's what I feel like. I feel like he's like Captain Jack Sparrow, just sober and speaking more <laughs> civilized. <laughs> well, I think I, now that he's fired from the films, he's <laughs> not fired, but let go because they're rebooting the franchise. But um, he's just trying to distinguish himself away from that. 15 year career character that he's had like mm-hmm. and try to get more into more serious roles mm-hmm. 
I think my big takeaway was like, I didn't hate him, but it was just kind of like, I feel like there could be another actor out there who could do maybe not like the same thing as Johnny Depp, but a different take on Grindelwald that could be equally interesting or even more interesting mm-hmm. potentially. Um, I like, I don't, it would depend on who it is and how they interpret him, obviously. Um, and I, I just thinking of like all the controversy. I'm like, was it like really worth it to keep him in because of all that? Like did, because like could nobody else have played him and i i kind of almost wonder if there could have been somebody else but i didn't hate him i didn't hate him he didn't ruin the movie for me there were a lot of other things that ruined the movie (laughs) i I didn't hate him i I just i don't like the fact that he's playing in this character i mean i accept it because you know jk rowling is involved in all of this in this horror world we're living in but (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't mean i have to like it I'll accept that. I don't have to like it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we still got to talk about Jacob, Queenie, Lita, and Credence. First, we have to cut to a commercial break. So we'll be right back with that discussion. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over? We always suggest reading a book. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? In the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. All right, let's talk Jacob. Uh, what did you guys think about Jacob? For me, he was the comedic relief. Very yes. funny. More weird noises. What, what did you guys think? <laughs> I love Jacob, honestly, and I wrote it in my review. Like, he's my favorite, not just be- one of my favorites, just not just because he's a comedic relief, but because he just, like, genuinely cares about Newt. Mm-hmm. Like, he's all this crazy stuff is going on around him. He has no idea what's going on half the time, but he's like, my friend needs me. Let's do this. And that's what I like about him. Like, he was giving that pep talk when um, he's like, you know, he's like, what do, I do? what do I tell her when I see Tina? And he's all like, like these things shouldn't be planned out. Just speak from the heart. And then he goes on the line about his eye, about her eyes having like a fire. He's only seen it on like salamander eyes. And he's like, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> and then when she runs out of um out of uh Nicholas Lamel's house, and he's like, go after her. Like, rooting him, rooting Newt on. Like he's just there for like his friend. Like he's, and it's like not even for like, you know the personal like gain per se he might get from having a magical friend mm-hmm. but she's, she just like genuinely cares about Newt and about this world that doesn't want people like him who are not uh who are muggles mm-hmm. yeah I, Jacob's awesome and I, I really like I mean a lot of people I think 
had an issue with, oh, how does he know all of this stuff if he was obliviated? Well, I feel like that was a very clever part on the writer's part that they made that loophole. Because uh, I want to make sure, like, it's the, it's not a plot hole. It's a loophole. Yeah. <laughs> And and he explained it very well that it was only to erase the bad memories, but he like he like he's like I only had good memories, so. And that was a lot of fans' theory too that like he had no bad memories, so like he had to remember. And I was just like, yes, yes, that was the theory. There's the theory. Yes. Yay. Well, especially I think it's kind of already known in the first one because he his um, baking shop or whatever has all those creatures on it. And so, like, it seems like, oh, well, maybe he just dreamed these up or whatever. But he had to have remembered something in order for those creatures to be on his baked goods or whatever at the end of the first one. Yeah, yeah I wonder what happened to his bakery. Right? I'm like, how can you afford to take so much time off? <laughs> Hopefully he had help. But he wasn't planning on going to London, remember? He just showed yeah, up. True. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I, I think that was my favorite. Uh, I think I read somewhere that I don't know if it, I don't know if it was implied in the in the last movie, but I read somewhere that um, somehow he um, magically came up with funds, and I think it was all this like the stolen loot that the Nifflers took that um, I think somehow got to uh, like the, the 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 stuff the loot that the Nifflers stole helped Jacob fund his bakery. Like anonymously, if that makes sense. No, wasn't it? I like, thought it was the egg. Knocked into him and like dropped eggs or something. Like I have no idea. I mean, I I couldn't buy this. Something I just read recently that that was how Jacob funded his got the funds for his bakery. It was the um oak call me or whatever the name of that like Ocamy. serpent bird. O- yeah. O- yeah, it was yeah. those eggs when they hatch they turn into silver and so new. Uh, packed a whole suitcase full of them and tr- swapped it with Jacob at the end of the first movie, which Jacob yeah. didn't notice. Okay, and go. that's what he uses to fund his bakery. So that's why he can go to London, unexpectedly. <laughs> <laughs> and of oh. course, his girlfriend is a wizard, so. Yes. Should we talk about his girlfriend? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna... This is the. This was the thing. I, Queenie that, specifically I, is what yes. made me angry. Yes, I had so many angry feelings about this. I was that this was probably the biggest thing I did not like about this film more than Johnny Depp. Was just like, (laughs) I'm like, they made her. I mean, they made her seem to be like a like a very strong, you know, in her like in her own way as a character, like a very strong person. But then in this film, it's just kind of like she turned into like a petulant brat, Mm -hmm. like. She charms Jacob, gets upset when Newt calls her out on it, runs away. As somebody who can, you know, who is a legitimate, just decides to go with some random stranger who speaks French when she's lost. And then just because she wants to marry Jacob, she decides to go to the dark side. Like I, I'm like I felt like that was so not the kind of character we were given in the first film. I was so I have very strong feelings about this. Yeah, 
I don't want to say like it was out of character for her because we only saw her for like less than two hours. So like we didn't really get really deep into her character. But I did feel it was one of those most frustrating parts of the movie that I just like could not stand and was just like, okay, Queenie Redemption arc, get, give it to me. Next movie, give it now. So let me just play devil's advocate for a second. (laughs) Because I, I don't know. I feel like when, because Queenie is so in love with somebody that her world is telling her she can't have, she can't be with. And I feel like because she is very, um, even in the first movie, like she was so infatuated with him and she was like all about this. And she was so sad that they had to obliterate him. And so, um, being so in love with Jacob, she wants to do anything possible to be able to be with him and have it be okay. And so when somebody can promise her that, and I feel like that's kind of um, something that JK Rowling is trying to get at is that when you want something so bad and somebody promises you that everything else just goes out the window. Logic just goes out the window. It's all gone. You just are focused on the one thing. So it doesn't matter that Grindelwald has other plans. It's that, okay, I'm just gonna go in for this to get the love of my life. And then we'll go, we'll be out. It's totally fine. That's all that matters. So I don't think she's thinking logically in what this is going to do in the long run, or that she even has to participate in everything else that Grindelwald is going to have happen. It's that he's going to make a way for me to marry the love of my life, who is a nomad. And everything's going to be okay. We'll live happily ever after. And we don't have to deal with anything else of this group or whatever. They can get out. Like, I just feel like that's her way of trying to get what she wants. Does that make sense? No, yeah. I think that is what, I think that is exactly what they were going for. What you just explained. I think, but for me though, I just don't think that you would, Come, I just, I get just, I don't completely agree that logic would completely go, at least yeah. in this in this moment, because I get like Grindelwald. For me, she just accepted everything he said so easily, um, yeah. without challenging it at all, and and so. In we that know she's sense, more than that. Yeah, in my mind, she she never struck me as bubbly, you know, kind of kind in that sense, very upbeat, but she didn't struck me as like dumb <laughs> that was like that <laughs> was stupidest. like that was dumb that that seemed dumb to me that she listened to him like she he this is the man who tried to kill her and her sister in the first movie you know and he has like a the, long the history one, yeah. he has a long history of you know everybody knows who this guy is he's not a good guy and she knows that going into this mm-hmm. and so the fact that he he just has to say a few words to her like well, you know, if you follow me, I'll give you what you want. Or, you know, I'm not actually that bad. The fact that she's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> if you say so. Like, and forgets everything else. Like, that really frustrated me. And um, and in, just from the beginning, too, the, the fact that she, like, puts that spell on Jacob. Like, yeah. that's super rapey. I, I don't... <laughs> It's it's like and J.K. Rowling's done that a few times in this series. You see it with Tom yeah. Riddle, um, the backstory with Tom Riddle or Voldemort's parents. You see it again in this movie with Lita Lestrange's back backstory. 
Um, but it was always from shady characters. It always came from like evil characters, right? It didn't come from one of the heroes of the story. And so that, that seemed really weird to me too. I don't know. I would totally be, I think I could get on board with the idea of Queenie. Even, I think I could even be convinced of the motivation that she did it for Jacob to be with Jacob. It's just like, it wasn't developed. It it just wasn't. Yeah. She has three main scenes in the whole movie. As far as I remember, yeah. You have the opening, then you have her being in the house where she meets Grindelwald, and then she shows up at the very end. And it's yeah. just like, isn't enough to to really make it believable and to really see that true progression into that mindset. And then the other thing, so that like annoyed me, um, but the moment where I got like really upset was when, as she was walking through that blue fire, I, suddenly I remembered and I was like, isn't she, I don't know 100% on this, but... I'm pretty sure she and Tina are Jewish. Um, and so the idea of them teaming up with like the wizard Hitler, that like <laughs> really, really rubbed me the wrong way. I, I don't know. And and that's but not that like, hasn't happened yet. What hasn't happened yet? So Hitler well, just happened to, yeah, that oh, hasn't happened. Yeah. No, that no. Was- it's more, it's more from a, like a writer perspective, like, yeah, like why I, I feel uncomfortable as an audience member knowing that who I he see. represents and mm-hmm. also where this, that this might tie into World War II. I mean, they already alluded mm-hmm. that it, yeah. it might. Yeah. Um, yeah. That made me uncomfortable. I don't know because mm-hmm. he's, even though Hitler himself exists in this world and he hasn't risen to power quite well, maybe I don't think he Not quite yet. has yet. Um, Grindelwald, as I've always, took it from the harry potter days i always believed him to be like hitler um and voldemort to be a successor in that sense voldemort is also a hitler (laughs) (laughs) and so so seeing that like happen i don't know it just made me uncomfortable um Mm -hmm. and and the only reason i should explain too because jk rowling i don't think has flat out said or anywhere in the movies that they are jewish the only reason I believe they are is because their last names are Goldstein, which is the uh-huh. same name as Anthony Goldstein, who is a contemporary of Harry in the books. And J.K. Rowling did confirm a few years ago on Twitter that he was Jewish. Um, and so far, when characters in this universe share the last, same last name, they're from the same family. So I've always assumed that they are. Maybe that assumption is incorrect. Um, but if it's true, then it, it just made me really uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, also- even sorry for that rant. That's that's kind <laughs> of. <laughs> but that was my mindset behind it. I don't know what people think about that, but I think it makes sense. But I also believe, like in my personal opinion, I believe that if somebody has enough power and is very good at speaking, which may not have come across well in the movie about Grindelwald and having to persuade Queenie to come. I will agree with you that it happened very quickly, but I do firmly believe that people can easily be deceived. um, Especially when they are like doing something because other people tell them to do it. Um, Or they've lived their whole life doing what's right because that's what they've been told is what's right. Um, And so I think I liked that. I liked that she was, deceived even if um it's 
even if we know that that's kind of where it's leading, because I think it's, it's realistic. Honestly, I think people who you think can have a really good head on their shoulders can still be deceived when there is something they really want included in that. No, I think you're right. And I think that's exactly what they're going for. And I think I, I think I could get behind it. Maybe it's just, I I think from a writing perspective from the movie, it just Mm -hmm. wasn't well presented. Like, and I get that's, that's Grindelwald's thing. He's supposed to be persuasive. And even in the Harry Potter books, if I remember correctly, Dumbledore tells Harry that Grindelwald was very persuasive. This is his, this has been his things long before Fantastic Beast movies, but I just am not, I, I was like, I feel like I've been told that he's persuasive, but he didn't seem very persuasive to me. And maybe it wasn't enough screen time or maybe just the writing wasn't that great. I don't know. Um, yeah, it just, like I said, I'm not necessarily against the idea, although the Jewish thing does kind of make me feel uncomfortable, but like, I'm not against the idea. I just wish I could have bought into it more. That, yeah. That's all. Yeah. But we could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big reveal, of course, with the end of the movie was uh, Lita and her whole backstory. And there was a lot she was another character that was really hyped up. You know, I think a lot of Harry Potter fans were really curious to see mm-hmm. what her deal was. So what did you guys think about Lita? I loved her. I loved yeah. her character. Yeah. I, was, I liked her more than I thought I would. Yeah. I was, I grew attached and I was very sad at the end. I didn't expect that. I was just right. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly like, I liked her because I feel like, yeah, she was she was a very hyped up character, and I'm mad that she was only in one movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do like the way we kind of saw, like, the completion of her like story arc Mm -hmm. throughout the movie, even though we didn't get that many scenes with her. But um, I I thought she was a very complex character, and it was explained very like it was and her character the complexity of her character was explained very well in the movie i still need like a story or a closure on something on how she goes from new to ecs yes like, i was thinking that <laughs> so confused on how this happened and especially because in the first movie we have lita's picture in newt's suitcase mm-hmm. and Here, I was like, okay, I can see why they thought there was going to be a love triangle, but I always thought it was going to be, like, a history of Lita and Newt and how she got with his brother. I don't feel like I got that as much as I needed that, which is why I'm not really, I don't know if it's been confirmed that Zoe Kravitz won't be in the other films, because maybe there's going to be some sort of flashback detail going on. So I'm like, this wasn't answered for me. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, she's a freaking Lestrange. Like, yeah. Can't drop a Lestrange. Yeah. One theory I saw was that they um that blue fire might not have actually killed them. Um. Again, this is a thing where I'd like to read the script to see what it actually says, mm-hmm. but that it like kind of collected them and put them somewhere. This was just a theory I read. I think maybe on Reddit. So there could be a loophole <laughs> that she where she comes back. <laughs> I think the big thing is, like, how does the Lestrange family line continue? Yeah. Um, that's what people want to yeah. know. So, yeah, I, I, I was 
what I really liked about her was that she she wasn't straight up evil like you could expect from the Lestranges. Yeah. Um, she actually yeah. has like a really good heart and stuff. Um, like, but again, another character I wish I just feel like didn't get enough fleshing out. Um, what I saw from her, I liked, but I would have liked to see her more because I feel like for the most part, she's just kind of in the background most of the time. She's like at yeah. Theseus' side and she's not, she's really not doing much. And then at the very end, she has her moment where she spills out a ton of exposition. That was another thing I didn't like very much was like the massive info dump. Um, it was kind of hard to follow for me, yeah. at least. I don't know if that was the case with anyone else. But um, yeah, and then she, she, she just kind of becomes useful at the very end. And I would have liked to see more of her and her character fleshed out a bit more because what, what was there was interesting and I thought was was cool, so... That's why I can't believe like she can't not be in the other films. Like something has to happen because yeah. the way you put a Lestrange in a movie or a book or whatever, and they don't have a bigger part. There's no way you do that. Otherwise, she would have had a last different last name. Like I just I can't in me. <laughs> I'm like listen, and maybe because the Lestranges are like my favorite, like evil yeah. characters. And I'm like, you can't put a list range in there and just be a one and done. There has to be more. Yeah. Was I, I just have a question because I honestly don't know. When she turns around and says those last three words before walking to the fire to the brothers, is she talking to both of them or is she just talking to Theseus or just to Newt? <laughs> I had no idea. I think that was intentional. I think that's one of those yeah. things where you're supposed to wonder. I think that, yeah, I think that was a, a, a like a cliffhanger kind of type of thing that they did on us. So like, I guess everybody can like have their own opinion about who she said it to. But yeah. We won't get into that. <laughs> I'm one of those people that just needs to know. Like, I don't like wonderings. I need to know a definitive answer. All right. We have to move on to the last character because we've actually gone over an hour now. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, this knew this was going to happen. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. This last character is going to take up another hour. No. Well, yeah, maybe. We could do a whole episode on this credence like he's the big woe in this for me he's a character again i wasn't super impressed with in this movie but not gonna dive into all that i guess my biggest complaint with this movie was everything just felt like half-baked and he was part of that but the, the huge thing that people are talking about him is that huge reveal at the end is is he actually credence you know is he or is he uh a dumbledore that is when I saw that scene in the movie theaters, I said some words I cannot say on the air. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, you did not just do And the girl, like, there was a girl sitting next to me at the screening, and she's kind of going, like, her and her boyfriend are looking at me like, I put it, I, like, I, I put when Grindelwald started talking about, about the story about the phoenix, I was like, you are not going this direction. Yes. Wow, and... And the girl was just like wondering what, what I was talking about. <laughs> was wondering under my breath. And I was like, no, no, you are not doing this. And then and then he's like dumbled. And I was like, friggin' A. Are you serious? Like I just complain. I'm like, no. Oh yeah. Can I read a theory I found online that yeah. I, I can probably buy into this? And I might need 
help to see if this is actually could be like possible. But they said that um, what is part of Credence, like as the Dumbledore, is Ariana's Obscurus. And after her death, her Obscurus went to live in Credence's body. And that would explain why Grindelwald says your brother um, is that he's talking to the Obscurus of Ariana rather than like actually Credence. I, I could get behind that. I could get behind that. The only yeah. thing with that is then why does he have like the specific name of Aurelius? Yeah, I was trying to figure yeah. that out too. Hold on. Maybe That's the only thing. That's the only thing. Yeah. Us off, maybe? Um, well, I- because if you think Aurelius and Ariana, like I'm just the at- version of Ariana. I or- do have to say though, some people are theorizing that Credence is Ariana or Aberforth, and I don't think so. I just no. I I yeah, I don't buy into that. But I do think, and the, the other big question is like, was Grindelwald just lying, you know, to try and right. keep Credence with him? But I, I kind of feel like the whole Phoenix thing sort of confirms mm-hmm. that it is true, that he yeah. is in some way, if not a Dumbledore, connected to them. So oh, yeah. I was going into the back of my mind and trying to explain to my friend who went with me who had only seen the films, who like knew nothing really about Harry Potter. And I had to explain half the stuff to him. I'm like, no, this can't be true. Like, no, <laughs> there, there were two brothers and there was a sister that died. There was no way there was another brother and we wouldn't know. Because, I mean, isn't it canon that there was an argument between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and Ariana got in the middle of it and that's when she died. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. a fight between yeah, Dumbledore or Albus, Grindelwald and Aberforth. Those three got in a fight. And somewhere along the way she was killed and the I think if I remember correctly, Dumbledore implies that like one of them they were all shooting like shot like they were dueling with each other. Yeah. And they don't um, know who hit her. Yeah, they don't know like whose spell actually hit her. Um, so that, yeah, I don't know. I feel that might play into the theory Brittany just brought in. Yeah. Because if it's, if it was dumb, or if it was, I guess now we have to specify which Dumbledore, but if it was, (laughs) (laughs) if it was Albus's, um, like, if it was his, um, wand that, like, killed her, then it would be easy for Grindelwald to convince her to fight against her brother or his brother. See, this is where I don't do very well <laughs> when it's a female is obscurus in a male. I can't, I'm just not going to go there, but. <laughs> this is definitely going to keep people guessing for a really long time. Um, the next two years. As, it's, <laughs> as it was designed to, obviously. Um, but that's the type of thing I like about the Harry Potter fandom is like the theorizing and stuff. And yeah. I do have to say though, it's like another complaint. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and it's not specifically about this twist. Like, like I said, I can get behind the twist and have fun with that. Like everyone else. It's just, I feel like it's in these movies, the attention to detail that exists in the books has disappeared. A bit. Um, yes. And 
JK, as a fan, you know, we, we were always looking at those little details. Like JK Rowling was very specific about every little detail in the books and like anything could be a clue and many things were clues, you know? And that I have a hard time with this because look at like even McGonagall, for example, the whole timeline's messed mm-hmm. up with her in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're just, you're kind of left thinking like, okay, like, like if I, if I start looking at something in Deathly Hallows, if I start rereading the seven Harry Potter books, you know, and start mm-hmm. looking for clues, or if I start watching these two movies and looking for clues, if I see something, is that a clue or is it a mistake? You know, is it, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. really know anymore. And so that kind of frustrates me a bit and kind of makes me sad. So I, I'm not sure how to like properly theorize about this. Cause I just, yeah, for me, it's a lot harder. Yeah. Because I mean, a lot of people were saying that it might be another like McGonagall relative. It doesn't necessarily have to be Minerva McGonagall that we know. Others are saying her, that. Though. Yeah. Some people are saying that it is her because that's what it says in the credits. Um, but then they're like, well, and people, like I said, people, that's why I thought people were going to be very divided about the movie because of the of the lack of attention to details because i like i said this is where i got that um the same i was looking at this thing online on facebook or twitter that you know that it wasn't canon that mcgonagall was a teacher yeah i'm looking sorry i'm looking at imdb at the credits and it says um minerva mcgonagall and so i guess that would be they're diverging from the canon where i think this McGonagall was born in like 27 or something like that. And Dumbledore was born in eight, in 1881. So how is she to canonically should only be like, she should be like a newborn or a year old. Yeah. And I think yeah. some people even think she was born in like the thirties. So um, mm-hmm. either way, it just doesn't work. And that's, I mean, unless, Unless Albus and Scorpius are going to show up somewhere in these oh fantastic beats. <laughs> no, let's not go there. This is why she wrote this. This is why we got Cursed Child to explain all of this. <laughs> but this just, it just doesn't make sense, you know? And so I'm just yeah, kind of, yeah. that, ah. And so, yeah, I don't know what's like a mistake or what's a clue anymore. And I, so that, that's unfortunate. I think the thing though is that screenwriting is very different from writing an actual novel so even though it's jk rowling and she does have that much attention to detail and all those clues she can't necessarily put everything in like a screenplay or in a movie because as much as she may want to there may not just be enough time there may be some like issue because like we've seen with adaptations that you can't put everything in there um but like it's very different and i i don't want to say you can't compare the two but it's just very different to have that amount of detail in a book versus in a movie or screenplay yeah that's true and yeah i don't know i we gotta wrap up but (laughs) I'm just thinking there, I don't know. There's so much more to say about this and there's just not enough time. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if like I fully, I, the Queenie was my big issue. The other thing was I just kind of found the movie to be a bit boring, 
<laughs> but again, I don't want to like get into all that because it just takes so much more time. I'm sorry, Brittany. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, get out of here right now. I can't even think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. For me, I- I'm like, I'm wondering if maybe J.K. Rowling's like great at making up a story, but she needs somebody else to write the script. Or if it's maybe just this isn't the proper medium for the story she's telling. I don't know what. But but yeah, I don't even remember what I was saying. That <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> but there were some good things here. And I and I do like that we've got this big this big question that, that we're gonna be left with and everybody's gonna be theorizing about and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously there are three more movies left, so there's a lot more to come it sounds like mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. any last thoughts um yes nifflers <laughs> <laughs> to be on the screen at all times like you could just have them pop up in like the little corner or whatever and like run across the screen i don't really care but they are my favorite the little baby baby nifflers i cannot i need one in my life to the point where i'm like i'm going to barnes and noble and i'm getting the big old stuffed niffler Boy. <laughs> it's just so stinging and cute and I can't not know. <laughs> they were selling nifflers at the movie theater I went to. Really? Yeah. Oh they had little oh, baby yeah. ones and they had like oh. full grown ones. <laughs> Mine didn't do that. I would have totally gotten one. They were like <laughs> the cutest things. And I was like, the niffler at like one point, whatever one he was trying to bring back, whatever, actually did something right for once besides like destroy the entire kitchen. Yeah. Oh, I feel well, so he bad. Was like, well, yeah. he was like, oh, I took the baby nifflers with me. And I'm like, yes, they're going to be on all the time. And then the- one other time. <laughs> the so- nifflers were pretty great. All right. Well, we need to end here because, gosh, this <laughs> oh my God. a lot of work to do. This took way too long. <laughs> it's like 40 minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, theoretically, our listeners who are listening to this, it should be 40 minutes, but no, <laughs> that we cut out a lot because this we've now gone about an hour and a half in our discussion. Yeah. Um, well, you could probably put it in like two separate episodes. We, yeah. What we really need is we just need a Harry Potter podcast. Awesome. So anyway, yeah, if somebody wants to start a Harry Potter podcast, let me know. <laughs> we could actually have one <laughs> just devoted to that. Oh, Brittany's raising her hand. Yeah, Brittany's like totally down with it. I'm like, I'm so down with it. I can't be the one to edit it, though. (laughs) (laughs) We should do one where we, like, read the books and recap and, like, take all the special notes and be like, why the movie did so bad compared to the books. Like a chapter-by-chapter book comparison? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think there's a podcast that did that. (laughs) I know there are a few that do chapter-by-chapter, but... Uh, that would I would love to do chapter by chapter, but I just can't edit another podcast. <laughs> I've got a couple other podcast projects on my hand, and I can't add to it. I, anyway, thank you for listening to us. And uh, just one really quick shout out or plug in is we are bringing new people onto the team. We mentioned this in the last episode. If you're interested in joining us, go to bookstacked.com slash jobs. And I'll also include a link in the show notes. So that should be really easy for you to find. And yeah, all the details are there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. (laughs) I suck at this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're just going to end here. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
Ending it now. Just ending That's it how Paul's still getting about this movie. He can't even end the podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm still feeling the effects.